Hello, hello, happy Wednesday. One of my favorite things about Wednesdays, getting to listen to the intro to this broadcast. <laughs> I just love it. Yeah, I was dancing around in the background. I know, it's like yeah. high energy. Yeah. Well, welcome everyone. Hello, Kevin, Lisa, Tabitha, Nicole, and, and my husband who loves to flirt with me on these. <laughs> Hello, honey. Um, okay, we're going to jump right in because I know that this is just going to be a full and probably quick conversation. It's going to go fast. I, I just know it will. Um, back in July, Rebecca had come down, which is why we have her on. Everybody say hello, Rebecca. Um, she had come down for a conference and we met with her as a leadership team on Friday before the conference started. And she had given us a word. And, um, and, and I'm just going to tell you part of it was that God was bringing growth to us, but it wasn't in the way that we thought it would not be horizontal, that it would be depth and that it would be a deep, deep well, which was confirmation for us. And, and then she said that she was woke up in the night and God was showing her sheets of iron that he was bringing in to reinforce the walls of this, this deep well. And um, we have sat with that. We have researched iron walls, what iron sheeting is about. And, and it wasn't until recently in the middle of a conversation that Holy Spirit started speaking more about the iron. And, um, and it really has to do more with an iron deficiency. We need to think in terms of the body right now, because that's what's on God's mind is awakening the bride and getting her in a healthy state to, to be able to do the things that, that he has on his mind. And, and so what he began to talk to me about was the anemic bride, that, that she is in a state of anemia right now and that she is in desperate need of, um, of iron, of an iron injection or an iron shot. It was funny because we sent, we sent the information for the broadcast to Lisa, who does all of our posting for us. And she's like, I don't want a shot. And both Vince and I are like, we were thinking more of a shot. <laughs> so however you want to view that this morning, whether it's a jab or a drink, it's up to you. You be the judge. I don't know. Yes. Good day from foggy Ottawa. It was foggy here last week, Rolinda. And I suppose we're talking about the foggy bride. So it works. Um, so that is, that is what we're talking about. <laughs> how the bride right now, because of her lethargy, is acting as an anchor for the entire body. Like we are not able to move as smoothly and as quickly as God would like because we have those people that are anchoring. So there's your introduction. I'm going to hand it over to Vince. Oh, okay. Um, you know, when we first started having this conversation, we, we got on the topic of red blood cells and what their um, uh, function is, and Angie had sent me a message, and, and red blood cells, they carry, uh, one of their things they do, they carry oxygen throughout the body, and then they'll carry carbon dioxide back to the uh, exhale. And in that, uh, she said, the heartland has a huge role in the body in this certain sense. And so that got me thinking about, uh, yes, that, that is a high function and high uh, responsibility that we hold in this regard uh, as, as part of the body. And, and not just to bring Jesus and, and uh, the life-giving word of God um, 
and, and doing that from either scripture, prophetic words, praying, laying on hands, any of those things, uh, but also to eject compromises from the rest of the body. You can continue to inject oxygen in the body, but if if the carbon dioxide isn't expelled also, uh, organs can start to fail, tissue can start to break down. Uh, it, it could prevent or even slow the, the delivery of oxygen throughout the body. And respiratory failure can result. And, and, and that's a real problem that we're seeing. And, and, and something else we were talking about was complacency and, and how this is a, a compromise that is, is bringing this, this, uh, to occurrence where we're, we're slowing the delivery of oxygen, uh, because of that. And, and what I've seen is that complacency is often, uh, mistaken for contentment. Yes, we should be content with, with what we're given. Uh, it doesn't mean we become complacent in that. And, uh, and, and they are two different things that we can't get them confused. And so, uh, when we're thinking we are being content, uh, we can oftentimes really mistake that for being complacent. And, and the, the question I had with that is, is what will it take to disconnect us, uh, to see us dissatisfied with complacency uh, that we've been enticed into? What is it going to take to get us out of that and move us into transformation? And one of the definitions of transformation is to change in condition, nature, or character. And that's really what we're talking about when we talk about transformation, transforming to be like Christ. We're wanting to, to change that condition, that nature, that character that needs, that needs sharpening, that needs to be changed. And one of uh, the questions that, that came on the backside of looking at that is, is what will it take uh, for us to preserve a life of continual transformation uh, by turning our backs on, on the stagnation brought about through complacency? And that's a real problem where we are, are not moving into transformation. We are anchored basically by complacency that keeps us from moving into transformation. And we know that an anchor's primary purpose is to, to at, at the base level, without getting into technical uh, aspects of it, is to keep a vessel in place. And, and if, if, and, and again, not, not talking about anchoring us to Christ, not anchoring us to, to that, that rock of salvation, but anchoring us to keep us from uh, uh, sailing in the winds of God that keep us moving forward. And, and that's what we're talking about with anchors here. And, and in that regard, uh, I see two types of anchors. Uh, one is those of us that are uh, ignorant to the fact that we are being an anchor. And when the lights shine on that, we move quickly to want to go to transformation and, and not continue to be an anchor. And, and as we mature and we grow in, in our, our faith and in our walk with Jesus and grow in intimacy, uh, we all have those anchors, but they become smaller and smaller and smaller because transformation takes us away from that, takes away, takes us away from being an anchor that is, is not allowing us to sail, not allowing us to move. And, and the other is, is the ones uh, in, willful rebellion and that that's not where we want to be and, and we've seen that and and the problem with that is in anchoring we are anchoring the move of god and we're anchoring oneness as well because it is it is all one and the same we share oneness with one another and we share oneness or, or union with the trinity and so uh are, are you an anchor dragging along uh, in rebellion to God and to oneness. 
and, and I think that's a question we have to look at. We know that we have been transformed into entirely new creatures, as Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen tells us, and so uh, we have to be able to say, "Yes, I am an entirely new creature now, brand new creation, never before seen. I have been transformed. Now it's time to start walking in that and not be an anchor." Yeah, Rebecca, jump in. It's really weird to me how the bride can become so quickly anemic. And it happens without you even realizing it. You became sluggish and 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 slothful and lazy and and unhealthy. And someone said on here, I, I have pernicious anemia. Um, I also have that. And it was discovered during blood work. And I go and get injections constantly for that because I need reinforcement to keep me out of my sleep. And the, the Bible tells us as believers, we're not to sleep as other people do, but we're to be alert, we're to be sober, we're to be aware, we're to be awake. And the, the Bible also says that the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber and the spirit of the Lord is speaking to the body of Christ and saying, wake up, you're inactive, you're lazy, you're complacent, you're, you're buying into things that aren't designed for you to carry. There was a time before I realized that I was had this lack in my blood where I actually fell asleep in a meeting sitting up. And it took that to shock me into realizing that something was not right. You know, I may be older, but I'm not that old that I would have to fall asleep. But that's what happens to the body of Christ. That's what happens to the bride. She falls asleep, even though she's had great experiences, great encounters with her lover and known him well, you know, and, and does things right. Even the book of Revelation talks about the church in Ephesus that had good doctrine and all sorts of things. But he says, you've lost your first love. And that's what happens when you fall asleep. And when you lose your first love and you're complacent, you buy into all sorts of things and you become a compliant uh, person or organization with the things of the world. And so we see the church in the West becoming adulterous. So you're not just in an, becoming an anemic bride. We become an adulterous bride. And how can we be adulterous when we've known the first love of Christ? Very easily we buy into things and run after things that we are not called to. You know, like like greed and fame and power and control. We lust after things that are not important to the heart of the Father. We value organizations more than we value people. Yeah. And the Lord is saying, wake up. And the other thing that he, he's doing is not just saying it. It's like you said, I had that vision that he was reinforcing you with iron walls. He's sending a solution. And that's what he's doing today. He's saying, wake up. I have a solution for you. This is the problem. Here's the solution. Now, what are you going to do with the solution? How are you going to bring that into your world? And how are you going to live it out? Exactly. Exactly. And, and the thing is, is like we, we have become so apathetic because we do not understand exactly what it is that, that God is after. And um, most of us stop short at the, the revelation of the victory of the cross. And if you go into Song of Songs, read through chapter five, and here you have the bride who is refusing to get out of bed 
when Jesus himself has come knocking a second time. He comes knocking the first time, reveals himself as the king of glory. And she has this wonderful revelation of the victory of the cross and even the the profundity of resurrection power. And, and she thinks that she has made it, that that's it. And her response to him is, I've already laid myself off. I have already taken off my old nature and you want me to get up and put it on again. And so she's completely misunderstanding because she's blinded by the victory alone. And he comes and he knocks a second time to reveal himself as the son of sorrow. He comes drenched in myrrh. She says, I can smell his fragrance. And so we see here the Jesus of the garden of Gethsemane showing up at her door, inviting her in to this experience also, we think it's all about the goodness of God alone, and it's not. We will not be able to have the full impact of the kingdom of God if we do not enter into the, the suffering of the Christ. We've said this for years, that authority without burden has does not have the intended impact. When we are walking around with authority that does not have the fullness, the full measure of the Christ on it, it is void of the full impact of the glory of God. And the, the other part of the word that, that Rebecca gave to us was that God's looking for a place to pour out his greater glory on. And who doesn't want that? I mean, we're like, yes, 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 do it here, God. But hardly any of us are willing to get out of bed. We're, we're not willing to get out of bed and let the sun of suffering in. And without that burden, we will not be able to carry that greater glory with the intended impact. Jump in, one of you. The, the call to wake up, I, I think, is, is very profound right now and something that we have to take extremely serious because uh, are, are we going to continue to place value in and compromise and and just tolerate all manner of things and and think that that's okay and, and think that that's going to continue to work for us or are we going to wake up and and place value where it should be placed and and really get moving and and the question of how we live it out i think that is is the real uh the real question right now to to start to push into intimacy with the Holy Spirit and say, how, how am I going to live this out? Because it isn't going to look the same for everyone to, to walk out what it is that we're called into. But, but we have to wake up. We have to understand that uh, continuing to just lay there or, or continuing to misunderstand because we're unwilling to have the conversations that uh, seem difficult to us or ask the questions that seem difficult to us to ask really aren't and really are, are, are the questions that are, are, are welcome and the questions that are desired because that is where deeper connection lies is in being able to push into that. But if we're unwilling to wake up, if we're unwilling to get out of bed and, and move, then value is going to continue to be just uh, placed in, in compromise. Yeah, I'm reminded as you're talking about suffering and compromise and this kind of thing of the Garden of Gethsemane, actually, when Jesus was agonizing about, you know, drinking the cup that he was was given and, you know, let it pass me and, you know, just just the intensity of that moment. And then he looked over at his disciples who he had hoped 
would be with him in that process. And they were asleep. And remember the, the famous words about, could you not watch with me one hour? And it feel, and these are people that walked right hand in hand, right close to Jesus in real life kind of thing. And, and God is saying that same thing to us. Can you not watch with me for one hour? Um, and, but we fall asleep when things become difficult. We become inattentive because we're used to feeding our pride and our egos and with all the blessings and the riches and this and that and everything else. We don't know how to suffer. We don't know how to walk with people who suffer. We don't know how to embrace suffering because we see it as negative in our cultures. But it isn't negative. It is one of the big blessings of the Father. Just like discipline, it says that he disciplines those who he loves, his sons. And so he allows difficulty to come into our lives, not so we fall asleep like the disciples, but so that we can live with him, by him, learn from him, enter into his sufferings, so that the glory that is revealed in him through the death and resurrection will be uh, imparted to us. There yeah. is no other way. You cannot bypass this kind of process. You can't jump into, oh, I'm going to be wealthy and I'm just going to do this and this and this and this will happen. That's not living like Jesus. We need to learn as the bride of Christ, as the body of Christ, to come back to the place where we model our lives the way Jesus modeled his, where we begin to long to live like Jesus, and we begin to long for his impartation in our lives, his heart, his lifestyle, his goodness, his suffering, all of it together is what yeah. brings us into wholeness. All of it together is what brings and releases the glory of God. And the Bible promises that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former. In other words, it will have more impact in the world than anything ever has before. And don't you want to be a part of that? A slumbering bride, a lazy bride, a slothful bride, you know, who's just tired and full of fatigue and is completely unaware of what they need will not share in that greater glory. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's such an intense season. And and I think that that those who are under this and, and I do, I feel like it's a stronghold of lethargy. It's it's like you can feel it just like holding people where they're at. And and the only thing that is going to break us free from that is action. What are you willing to do? about it. And, and we've, we've sat around being content under, under false powers and, and, and called it somehow holiness, which is absolutely ridiculous. But, but there are so many people right now that are sitting on the, the very word of God. God has given you orders. God has told you what to do and you're refusing to move your feet. You're refusing to do it because you're scared because you have become your own provider. And God is looking for people who are willing to risk it all, who will come out from underneath their own provision under his and trust that he has our best in mind because he does. You're not going to experience anything of worth under your own provision. It's only under his. You've got to go back and look at, at, at how the whole story plays out. When Jesus begins to call men to follow him, he's calling them out from underneath 
their own provision. Peter's my favorite because he's the worst off. He's the one that can't make ends meet. He's the one that's blowing it left and right. And and, and I think some of it by God's hand. (laughs) And, And Jesus comes along and he's like, Peter, like, give that up and come and follow me. And, and, and then some of the, the other interactions he has with people where he's like, hey, come follow me. And they're like, well, let me first go and do this other thing. And that's where we're at. We're in this space of, hold on. Yes, Jesus, but let me first tie up all of these loose ends. Let me first go and bury my father. And, and we know what Jesus says. Let the dead bury their own. He's not looking for you to follow someday, some way. He's looking for a yes now. The only way we're going to sever this anchor is by saying yes now and do something about it. It's not going to make sense. It's not. It's not going to make sense. When God begins to strip you of everything, it's not going to make sense. And everybody around you is going to mock it. They're going to 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 think that somehow you've done something wrong to bring this on yourself. But the Lord is in a stripping mood. He's stripping us down to nothing, absolutely nothing, because he wants us to learn to value him and his kingdom and have zeal for his house. It's that Haggai concept where we're like, consider the cost. We have spent so much time building up our own shacks that are leaking, he says. We can't hold anything of value because we're under our own provision and it leaks. And the invitation is come up here and get materials to build my house. And that's what he's asking when he's saying, come out from underneath your own provision. He's asking us to come and gather material to build his house. He's asking us to have zeal for his house. We're not gonna see the power of the greater glory because this is what's going to happen. We're not going to fall into oneness. We're going to pretend. We're going to try and and put on a show of oneness. And we're also going to die just like Ananias and Sapphira did. Wow. That's pretty shock. Those That's a shocking word to hear. We're also going to die like Ananias and Sapphira. But that is the danger. And I don't think we realize, you know, when when there's something lacking, in us as the bride, we don't realize the danger that we're in. Earlier, I talked about becoming an adulterous bride. It's a really slippery slope, and it's easy to fall into that because we're not attentive and we're not we're we're just busy building for ourselves. We're building our own kingdoms. We're we're exalting ourselves and our organizations and you know all of these things instead of making Jesus famous. Instead of spending our lives pursuing Him that lifelong pursuit of becoming a prepared bride. And a prepared bride is not anemic. She does everything that is possible in order to be ready for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And she will spare nothing, none of her energy. She will give everything to that pursuit. And we've lost that so in so many areas. And the Spirit of the Lord is calling us back to that and saying, come on, Stop being so prideful. Stop being so full of yourself. I'm giving you clues. I'm giving you keys. I'm giving you solutions. Start taking the medicine. Let the medicine do its work. Yeah. And it's not a fairy tale where the spoonful of sugar is going to make it better. That is not how it works in the kingdom of God. 
we engage with the spirit of God with the things that he hands into hands to us. We engage with him on the path he calls us to. We choose the lifestyle that he lays out for us in his word. And those are the things that hold us fast and keep us healthy. Take us out of that place where we're anemic and bring us into that place where we're full of a spiritual vigor. You know, young people are full of zeal and we like to say, oh yeah, they're full of zeal and those old ones, they're full of wisdom. Come on, God wants every last one of us to be full of supernatural energy, of, of that strength that only God can provide. And if he's saying we need iron because we're anemic, then bring it on. We yeah. want to walk in health. And when we're healthy, there will be that radiance that others can see and people will be drawn to it. Yeah. It's stepping out uh, from under our own provision, stepping out of faith. It, people will look at that and say, oh, it's so difficult. It's so difficult. But what what is real difficulty when God goes before us? That's got to be part of counting the cost is knowing like, okay, I can see all this. I, I've counted the cost. I, I see, okay, yeah, that looks like it's going to be hard, but, but God's already gone before us. He's already prepared a way so we could step out into his provision, which, uh, like you said, is going to look foolish to, to some people, uh, to other, they're, others, they're going to know, they're going to see the, the, the passion, the zeal that we are now moving into. We are now operating in because we're stepping out in faith and not worried about uh, uh, how difficult things look, not worried about how difficult it is to get ourselves up out of bed and, and wake up. And, and I, I think one of the things we also have to look at in that counting the cost is, is what is the cost of continuing to uh, feed the thoughts and the imagination of how difficult it is and what this outcome might turn into uh, that, that could be unfavorable for us? Well, what's the cost of that? What's, what's the cost of continuing down that line of thinking rather than, than remembering the fact that, okay, I don't need to focus on that. I can focus on the fact that God has gone before me and and regardless of what happens, uh, good is going to come out of that. And, uh, and really focus on stepping out in faith and believing that what he is telling us is true and, and nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think that, that to understand even that the, the, the the real like terminology of being anemic is really important in, in regard to this. And, and I know that, that you went there early on here, Vince, but I, I just want to remind us that, that it's a lack of red blood cells that the, the body is experiencing when, when anemia sets in. And, and I know what that feels like because I was anemic with my pregnancies and, um, you already feel tired. <laughs> When you're pregnant, add in a, an anemic condition and, and it's awful. And, um, it, it, but it's the, the red blood cells are, um, assigned to carry the oxygen throughout the body. And so when there is a lack of red blood cells at work, we are, we are lacking the, the appropriate pneuma, if you will, in the extremities of, of the body. And, and so if you are one who is, is, is just lethargic and waiting for, you know, some sweet by and by to come along and sweep you off your feet, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Your job is to get up. 
you have to get up. And then the other the other role of the red blood cells is to bring back the carbon dioxide so that the, the lungs can blow that out. And so we have a double issue happening here. We're not oxygenated and we're not releasing that, that gas within us that needs to be released. So essentially we've got some poison happening within the body because we're not functioning at our highest point. And so we, we do need, we need that injection of iron right now. And, and you guys, I really believe that that has everything to do with, we, we need to turn and look at the lamb. We do. We need to behold the lamb. It is It is only by beholding the lamb that we're going to really understand what it's going to take to be able to carry a greater glory. We, we can't do it in our, in our own power because it just, in our own powers, we, we diminish those red blood cells. It's only by looking at him that we're going to begin to duplicate those red blood cells because it has everything to do with the fullness of the land, all that he has done, becoming the inner workings of who we are as the bride. And, and my gosh, could we please ask for a revelation of oneness? Could we please begin to step into that and understand that if one of us, one of us is an anchor. And I think that this is why Peter was so bold with the dealings of Ananias and Sapphira. You know, they, they were, they were jeopardizing the oneness that was taking place. And we have to, under, we're not talking about the, the being baptized, so to speak, into the son of sorrow or the son of suffering. Look what happened when they embraced that. Had they been lethargic and been like, not today, Jesus. I just don't have it in me today to suffer for you. They would not have added numbers to the their group on a daily basis. They would not have had the building shaking power. They would not have had 5,000 people baptized in one day, lifting up their voices in one accord in praise. It's such a rowdy scene and I love it. We're not going to experience that if we do not come together in oneness and agree that we all need to be upright. We all need to be upright. And holiness right now is one of the most offensive things in our churches. It is offending people to the nth degree. They are considering leaving because they're so offended by the holiness of the spirit right now. That's dangerous. Yeah, we are in it, situated in a dangerous position. And we need to realize, just like you're saying, Angie, that if we do not get up and answer the door when the Lord is knocking there, that we put ourselves in danger and our brothers and sisters in danger because God is testing us. When, when the lover came knocking on the Shulamite's door, he was testing her to see if she was willing to do whatever and go to whatever lengths, but she wasn't. And then she ended up in the streets getting beat up and, you know, all of this different kind of stuff from the leaders. And there was just trouble for her. And when there's trouble for one of you, trouble comes for all of us. That's how it works. And it's a serious time. It is a serious time. Yes, Tabitha, we are our brother's keeper. And we need to, to embrace the process of change and transformation in God's way. This is another area that we're being adulterous in is that we are embracing the ways of the world to try and overcome in some of the areas of sin or brokenness in our life. And we don't get to set the agenda. God sets the agenda and God sends the solution. He sees what the real problem is. In this case, it's iron. We're anemic. You know, he's sending a reinforcement. 
And so there's all sorts of transformation and change coming down the pipe. And we need to be walking very, very closely with the spirit of God, being in his word, obeying and hearing, even when it makes no sense to us that we just jump in and give him our complete yes, but not just with our words. Words have become cheap and shallow. Our actions have to show that we are all in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think that it's a valid point on on the chapter that we're talking about in Song of Songs, where she encounters suffering anyway. And so it's like, choose your suffering. <laughs> It's either under under the 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 power and the unction of the spirit, or it's it's at the hands of man. Choose which suffering do you want? Because it's coming no matter what. You know, I mean, like seriously, that is the reality. Suffering is coming no matter what. You can choose to to enter in. I love the idea of being baptized in. That may be too much for you. I don't know. But being baptized into the son of suffering or being left to the hands of man. I am telling you, it, it's one way or the other right now. You don't really have a choice. So you can consider, continue to sit on your butt and do nothing about what it is that he's calling you to do. And you're going to suffer at the hands of man. Or you can get up and enter into what it is that he's calling for us to do. And you will be under the power, the mercy, the grace, and the glory of the Lord. And I love what Chris is saying. Could we be lacking the full strength of the Lord's blood? Yes. Yes, we could. I think that that is the exact analogy that we are. We are lacking the full strength of his blood when we stop short at the victory alone. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Let's make much of the victory of Christ. We have to, but the next part that we, we do, we enter into the suffering that he's calling us to so that we can better take on his nature on the earth. It's the only way it's going to happen. You guys is if we, we enter into what the fullness of the Christ Stephanie Gretzinger says it this way. We have to eat the whole lamb, the bitters and all. And I've never eaten lamb. Rebecca has, I think Ben said he has. And, um, but, but I love that. That thought is like, we, we can't disregard the parts that we just don't have a taste for. You're not going to have a taste for suffering. It's supernatural. Yours is to say yes, to enter into it anyway. And this is where the fullness of glory comes in. You've got to go back and read through the book of Acts because it is through this suffering that you see the power of God at its utmost strength. And if the latter days are going to be even greater than that, whew, get yourself ready. Regardless of, of people's response, to the holiness that we carry in. It is something that we have to be marked by. We have to be marked by holiness. We need to be marked by obedience and discipline. And, and we have to just absolutely trust the Holy Spirit to uh, allow him to work in other people to uh, have a right response to holiness that is carried in when we walk into the room. Yeah. I think that what we all need is to remember that we are called to be in love with Jesus. Yeah. You know, and 
I know during the pandemic and when we all went online and, and we became separate from each other physically, in a lot of cases, we learned to be alone. And there came a self-sufficiency into us. And that God is coming to break that down because we need one another. We need one another's presence. We need to be together because what you have will reinforce me. What I have will reinforce you. Like Tabitha said earlier, we are our brother's keeper. But we're stubborn and resistant to being together again, to being one because of that self-sufficiency. And the Lord is coming to smash that in our lives. We have become so prideful of our ability to do this well and to do that well and to do that well. Everything is about entertainment. I can keep myself. I can get through this. No, we can't. Actually, we cannot. And so God is wanting to teach us again to become one, to live like one, not to live separate, not just to touch one another on the shoulders, but actually to allow our lives to become intertwined. We are family. And when we talk about intimate relationships, when we talk about the bride, that's a family gathering. When, when there's a wedding, when you, when the bride comes, the prepared bride and the, the king comes or the groom comes, that is a family gathering. And we need to get ourselves healthy so that we're not any longer allergic to each other. You know, we've, we've learned to be alone and not to need the next person. Yeah. Come on. It's yeah. just really unhealthy. You know, or the, the most we come together is when we, if some of us go to church and then you sit there in a row and then you do the Christian mingle thing where you have to say hello and greet your neighbor and all that kind of thing. We call that interaction. That's not living together. And that's not how God imparts oneness to us and puts us together and mixes us up and lets our strength become strength for someone else. That's not how God uh, works. He wants to teach us something through this. And suffering is one way in which we really, in a way, are forced to open our lives up to the next person. Because I can't do this or go through this unless you be Jesus to me in this moment. You need to become what I need. And I need to become what you need in your moment of suffering. But sometimes people won't even let you in. You yes. know, sometimes I don't want people to come in. But yet, that's what God wants. That's what he's, what oneness is. Yeah. So we have this false North American idea or Western idea of what life is and how it looks. It's completely anti-scriptural. Yeah. We need to dig and find out what God is really talking about and why we're unhealthy. Embrace the changes, take in the solutions, begin to walk them out so that we are energized by the spirit of God. And like you say, not by our own solutions, our own provisions. But yeah. God's. yeah. And, and I think that so much of this has come from the, the concept of my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And, and it, we, we never should have been invited into my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It should never have been, have been displayed that way because you're being brought into Christ, but into a body. And, and if we would change the way that we're inviting people into salvation, it would be a 
fuller, broader picture of what's really happening. You are no longer your own. You're giving up your life for the greater good of the wholeness and the fullness of the body. And I think that if we really had our eyes open, we would become aware that we are simply prisoners of war, stuck in solitary confinement. That, that this isolation, this me and Jesus way of doing life is really just has us entrapped in the, the enemy's camp that we are. We are in solitary confinement. We are, we are surrounded by the enemy. We, we are not actually experiencing the fullness of God. We're, we're experiencing a, a false sense of the presence of God and uh, to keep us, to hold us there. And, and the, we have to break free from this. And, and we need one another. And we've talked about this for, for years because one of the things that, that our, our ministry has been founded on by the grace of God is being invited into oneness. Do we do this well all the time? Absolutely not. But we do have the revelation of whatever it is that is imparted to me, I have the ability to reach down and pull you up to where I'm at. That is the concept of oneness. And we see it modeled throughout scripture. It does not say that when numbers were added to them, that the spirit fell on the new ones that were added. It fell on them as a whole. They all experienced the newness. And I'm sorry, but I'm just going to have to throw out the idea that they were each given different measures based on the, the amount of time that they walked with the Lord. It's not how it works. It's not a kingdom of fairness. It's not a kingdom of what well, this is your portion. It's fullness. He operates under the unction of how much can I pour out on them? How much can they contain? And the truth is, is that we can only contain measure when we're walking alone, but we can contain the pressed down, shaken together, overflowing when we're walking together as intended. As it relates to the oneness, everyone has problems and we just need to get over ourselves and invite one another in. It's the only way we're going to continue to sharpen each other. It's the only way we're going to continue to grow. It's really interesting because one of the biggest problems that I encounter with people when people hide away is that, you know, they're, they're, they're going into this self-protection, which is a delusion. But you also, they also vanish from the realms, you know, and, and they're missing in action. And you can't find them and you can't be one with them because they're gone. You know, and we don't realize that we are spiritual beings and we affect the family dynamic when we take off and and start to try and do our own thing. Mm. And we have to be present. Whether we're hurting or not is immaterial. We need to be present and allow the next person to walk with us in that, to help us in that and to, to, you know, to to point us in the right direction and, and all of that kind of thing. And so God is coming to break down some of these things in us that keep us from the very things uh, that we're talking about here today. He does not want us uh, focused on things that are nothing to do with him. He wants us focused on him. He wants us hearing his knock. He wants us hearing his voice and responding to his voice. He wants us to feel his touch, to, to smell his fragrance even. And he's looking for response. And that's how he wants us to act towards each other as well. Yeah. You know, looking, we're looking for a response from each other. And when it doesn't come, you know, the family dynamic is broken. 
There's that old fashioned song about the circle being unbroken. Well, it breaks very easily. Yeah. It breaks very easily. And each of us need to realize, realize our part in that and mm-hmm. how we can do damage actually to the whole of the bride when we are intent on doing things our way and, and do it, you know, not being present. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing that, that I want to uncover is the, another way that we pull away is in withholding that, that God speaks some revelation over us and, and, and we withhold, we back away from that circle. We break covenant with one another when, when we're like, Oh, this is about me and Jesus. And I'm going to have this big moment where I release this thing. And that's also errant. You guys, it's, it's got to become about, yes, Chris, we, us, um, how can, how can we enter into a corporate idea? How can we keep that on the forefront of our mind? And, you know, something that, that God had shared with me over a year ago is that, that the, the rise of autoimmune disease comes from the church's inability to walk in oneness. The rise of autoimmune diseases, and it is on a steep rise, is because of the church's inability to walk and model oneness. It's the body fighting against itself. An autoimmune disease is the body fighting against itself. And that's what we have. We have infighting going on in the body of Christ where this is my doctrine. And so I'm going to go over here and I have to shun you, turn my back on you. We can't be friends kind of thing. And we've got to stop. If we want to see the power of God released in the measure that we're all after, and I know that we're all after this, where we want to see healings happen. We want to, we want that. We desperately want to see healings happen, but it's not going to happen until we get it together, until we bring ourselves back into a space of oneness, because this ladder outpouring that we're all hungering for has everything to do with oneness. What we have seen modeled in the past, and we all love to look back at history and go like, Smith Wigglesworth, you know, A.A. Allen, Jack Coe, you know, all of the, the greats. Um, but they were under a different dispensation. God allowed them to model a, a measure of glory on the earth. And but for us, it's about the coming together. It's about the uniting of the bride. And that is going to be part of the impact of his glory is that we're all working together. That does not mean that we're same, same. We look alike. We're not talking about uniformity. We're talking about oneness. It's not even union. We have to think in terms of oneness. It's oneness. Our eyes are all fixed on the same lamb. It's about the lamb of God. And and I, I honestly think that if we would start fixing our gaze on him and his seven eyes that we would have the impartation of the sevenfold spirit of God and we would get off the shoreline. To stop hiding, come together in oneness and just simply lift Jesus up. If we can do that, then the the, the fighting and the, the Quarrels about pet doctrines are, are going to go away yeah. because we're, if we're focused on lifting Jesus high, we're focusing on what really matters. It's all that matters. 
I mean, we, we, we get caught up in, in all these different realms and make much of them. And it's all about the lamb. And I know I've mentioned it before, but I mean, even, even John in the book of Revelation, he can't find the one worthy. He's caught up in these realms of glory in these revelational realms. And when asked, is there anyone found worthy? He's like, no. And he falls to the ground beside himself. Guys, we have got to fix our gaze on the lamb. I'm not saying don't experience the realms. Experience them, but do so out of your time with the lamb of God. Yeah, and and the realms, if you will, are only possible because of the lamb, because of Jesus Christ. Everything points to that. He's the one who calls us as the bride into his chambers and as a bride to be found outside of the chambers, you don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. And we're called in, we're called in, we're called into him. You know, you talked about when people come to Jesus and and that kind of thing. One of the biggest problems I have with, you know, all these revival things and these great big, huge meetings is that we don't tell people that you're, you're being invited to die. Yes. You are being invited to die. We're, we're, we tell people, come to Jesus and everything will be made new and change. And actually, we don't tell them that you no longer live, but Christ will live in you. Yes. You know, and, and so we're not honest when we invite people to walk with Christ. We haven't been honest. We need to be honest. We've presented a really toxic form of Christianity or a Christian lifestyle to people. And that has to change. And we can't look to others to change it. It has to begin with us. Yeah. It's my job. It's your job. It's your job, Angie. It's your job, Vince. All of you watching online, it is your job to, to make these changes. It is your job to take the pill. <laughs> it's your job to embrace the truth. And it's your job to walk it out. I can't walk out your part. I cannot do it. I can try. I can help you. I can advise you. I can encourage you. I can release the word of the Lord for you. But if you don't do something about it, change will never, ever happen. And I love it that the, the three of us are on here from the heartland uh, right now, because this is a message for the heart. Yeah. It is going straight into the heart of those of you who are watching. But it's also a message for the hearts of the nation. And, and this is so important that we become healthy and let everyone else concentrate on the big cities and this and that and everything else and all the flash and the lights and all the razzmatazz. God is saying, I'm coming to heal the heart because as the heart goes, so will the nation become yeah. healthy. And yeah. so we have a unique calling to talk about these issues, to wrestle them through to say, what are you saying, God? Where are we weak? That's why he's saying you need iron. Yeah. He's so good to tell us that. I mean, that's the goodness of God, that yeah. he points out an area of lack so that there can come transformation and change. That is the goodness of God right there. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that, it, it's so good. And, and I love the concept of being the heartland because without, without the heart, you don't have function. Right. And, and so, you know, though you may be small, you're mighty. Right. Yes. And um, it, one more thing that I just want to say about salvation, because I think that it's 
it's really important that we understand this, that most of us have been invited into salvation through escapism. Therefore, what's on our mind is escapism. But when you're brought into salvation through death, you must give up your life. You cannot live until you have given up your life. You are a living. If we would make much of that, then we would not see the anemic bride as often as we are. But what we've all experienced is say yes to Christ so you don't go to hell. We are inviting people into escaping hell. And therefore, everything in us becomes about how do I escape here now? And so you see the majority of your churches in North America wanting to escape through death, which then makes death your savior, right? And, and we think that somehow that, that our, 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 the, the climax or the apex of our existence in Christ is to die and go to heaven. We have been buffaloed. We have been fooled. We are blind and ignorant if that is what our goal is, because that's not what the script would say. It's not about escaping through death to to end up in the sweet by and by because we end up on the earth. It is the, the full plan is not for us to escape the earth. It's for us to dominate, to take dominion, to spread wide the kingdom of God. So if you have been brought in under escapism, I just want you to be mindful of that. Throw that off, that it's not about escaping hell's flames. It's about serving Christ through death, allowing him to become you, walking out his existence and his character on the earth to take dominion, to spread wide his government. We are ambassadors, which which means we take on the fullness of Christ. We become the very expression of Christ on the earth. And we cannot do that in a, a valuable way if we have in the back of our mind, I just wish I could go to heaven. The idea is to bring heaven to earth, right? It's why we exist is to bring heaven to earth. That That is what was on God's heart, on his mind, when he breathed you into existence in the first place, to see his kingdom come, to see his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And his plan is to do it through you and to do it through me. And we cannot effectively do that if escapism is on our mind. Yep. Beam me up, Jesus. I used to see that bumper sticker <laughs> On people's cars. <laughs> I, I just thought, oh my God. And the, they were serious people driving these cars with such a bumper sticker on it. Yeah. Is ex- that's exactly it. Yeah. 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 Last words. Go ahead, Vince. I think he's gone. Is he frozen? He's frozen. <laughs> he's frozen in time and space. At least he has a smirk on his face. <laughs> oh, he's back. <laughs> that was a that was a long pause. Sorry, that was a long pause. Did you hear? Did you hear us? No. Final words. <laughs> oh, uh, you know it, the the whole Jesus being demolished. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be fun. Empty chairs sitting here. Um, oh, with, with the 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 revelation of of salvation not being this uh, escapism and, and sweet by and by, uh, 
I, I think the real question is, is are we going to be honest with people? People have a preferential uh, uh, bend towards an, an honest truth. The, the, what, what is real? What is authentic? And, and I think we have to, to decide, are we going to be real and authentic with people? Yep. Rebecca. Yeah, I just just want to say when Jesus comes knocking, let him in. Let him yeah. kiss you. Let him bring you to life. Let him fill you with his energy. Let him fill you with his love. Let him fill you with, with his enthusiasm. Don't worry about looking like a keener. Let me tell you, keeners are much more palatable than lazy old sluggards who never do anything and just sit in a pew and be critical. And yeah. so God wants to transform every last one of us. And it begins with our intimacy with him. So let him in. Let, let him, him in. It can only be good. Even in the difficult times, it's good. Yes. Yes. Amen. And I just release a hunger and a thirst for righteousness over us all. That we would have an insatiable hunger for the things of God, for the presence of God. We bless you. Love you guys. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye. -bye.